John Roderick. We speak to you from our present, which we can only assume is your distant past, the turbulent time that was the early 21st century. Fearing the great cataclysm that will surely befall our civilization, we began this monumental reference of strange and obscure human knowledge. These recordings represent our attempt to compile and preserve wonders and esoterica that would otherwise be lost. So whether you're listening from an advanced civilization or have just reinvented the technology to decrypt our transmissions, this is our legacy to you. This is our time capsule. This is the Omnibus. have accessed entry 070.JE0705, certificate number 21125. Article the first. Hey, do you know about the USA? Do you know about the government? Can you tell me about the Constitution? Hey, learn about the USA. Are you... Uh, can you describe to the futurelings the process, just very briefly, the process of amending the U.S. Constitution? Oh, wow. Uh, there's two different ways to do this. Am I right? You either need... You can do it with state conventions, which is almost never done. Hmm. And I feel like I've heard this suggested as a way to get around the what the liberal courts or whatever mm-hmm. those damn liberal courts or is it a national convention can you do it with a national convention normally it's done with a series of state votes right right a, what two-thirds of the states three-fourths three-quarters of the states need to pass off on an amendment to the constitution and the other i guess the other uh what would that be 12 and a half 12 and a quarter states have to just come kicking and screaming oh yeah they just have to suck it they have uh, to suck it but up. you know first it has to pass both houses of the congress oh interesting yeah so a- an amendment to the constitution has to make it through the the house and the senate and then be ratified by three quarters of the states so it's um it's a it's a difficult process uh, uh like a like a laborious one and it's it's intentional that it be difficult such that the Constitution not be constantly buffeted by the winds of popular fashion. Oh, here's the one I was thinking of. As an alternative to having the two-thirds majority vote in both houses of Congress, two-thirds of the state legislatures can call for a constitutional convention and bypass Congress altogether. That doesn't happen that often. Does not happen It has, in fact, never happened. Wouldn't that be fun? A constitutional convention? I, I I would thrill to a constitutional convention, but I don't think we can get the states to to agree on that much. Okay. You know, we're in a time right now where it's seems unlikely that we could pass a constitutional amendment uh, about almost any topic because it would require. I mean, it requires the three fourths of the states and both houses of the Congress agree that a thing needs to happen, and that seems very unlikely. That's ambitious. There are, however. Um, 
a few outstanding amendments to the Constitution. I think they're all outstanding. Well, that's, well, maybe not the one that got repealed by the other one. You're talking about the 18th and the 21st. Neither one of those. Well, they do stand out if <laughs> if they're not outstanding. But there have been um, there have been 27 amendments to the Constitution, mm-hmm. and uh, the early ones, the the first ones that we know of are or the <laughs> that we know of the first ones, the ones <laughs> of which that, we have record. <laughs> the ones that we think about as being the first are the Bill of Rights, the first 10 amendments to the Constitution. We talk about them all the time. Hey, since we're in a now a 28-year gap, I think, since the 27th Amendment has passed, and you've mentioned that it's difficult to amend the Constitution, Yeah, is 28 years a record? I just realized I don't know this. What's the longest gap? No, I don't, oh, no, between I don't the, think it is. Between the 12th and the 13th. Yeah. 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 yeah nothing, nothing after, um, you know, the 12th Amendment is what makes sure the vice president is not just the runner-up. Uh-huh. That's what keeps Michael Dukakis from being vice president. Uh, and there was nothing between that and the Civil War, the, the post-Civil War uh, amendments. Uh, abolishing slavery. Ab- abolishing slavery, defining citizenship, there, ensuring the right to vote. Those were all 60-odd years later. There were, That's the longest gap. There was, a, there was an amendment proposed and not, um, and not ratified during that period, what's called the Corwin Amendment, which on the eve of the Civil War— uh, the Corwin Amendment, in attempting to keep the southern states from seceding, uh, proposed that it was basically a states' rights amendment that we could amend the Constitution and that would prohibit, you know, that would prohibit the federal government from yeah, put slavery in the Constitution. Basically. Yeah, that's right. Basically, like you, you cannot interfere in the rights of states to administer themselves, including specifically, you cannot outlaw states. Um, that have that legalized slavery. It's actually in my book, Planet Funny, briefly, because Thomas Corwin, who is now only remembered for trying to get slavery in the Constitution, actually had some wise things to say about how politicians should not be funny, huh. which were true at the time, but seem pretty out of date now. Yeah. Now we really want our politicians to be funny. We just crack up at the antics of the current guy with his long tie and his inability to go upstairs. It's a, it's a hoot. What's interesting about the Corwin uh, Amendment is that it did pass through both houses of Congress. Oh, really? Um, but was only ratified by two states because— They couldn't even get the whole South? <laughs> because at that point, the um, the secession—or the I'm sorry, the secession movement, not the succession movement. The succession movement is uh, me moving to my TV to watch Succession on yeah. HBO. It's delightful. I thought the the succession movement was me going to the bathroom in the middle of succession and not ever going back to it. <laughs> Uh, but it, what, what happened, what happened there was rather than the Southern states going to the trouble of ratifying this, they, they, they were already too committed to the idea that they were going to secede from the union. So two states got around to it and then the civil war broke out. Corwin amendment, just a little too late to get slavery enshrined. It's probably a good thing it didn't. It is. Can you think of any other amendments? Let me give you a hint. There are, there are seven... No, I'm sorry. Six amendments to the Constitution proposed that were never ratified. Have they both passed two houses of Congress? They, they all, all of them pa- passed two houses of Congress and were submitted to the states. So we're waiting on the states. And were ratified by a portion of them, yeah. but not the necessary three quarters. Can you think of any? I mean, the famous case here is the Equal Rights Amendment. Right. I mean, it's famous to me because... That kerfuffle was. Dur- I like how you're marking stuff off, like Alex. I got, I'm making a little check mark. I mean, that's on a, that was a kerfuffle during our lifetime, and it's recently been revived. Uh, uh, a couple, I think, one or two state legislatures have uh, p- 
passed the Equal Rights Amendment within the last year or so, mm-hmm. and it le- it's led to questions about whether or not state approvals can expire. <laughs> like, can, can states unratify once they've ratified? Is there a time limit? Uh, this has been considered by the courts a couple of different times, and the original uh, the original ruling was some you know a court back in the twenties uh, said, well, you know these amendments are. These ones from ye olden times that weren't ratified, they're too old. Yeah. Uh, They've expired. But then a subsequent court said, well, wait a minute, there's nothing in any of these documents that suggests that there's an expiration date. And the court can't, uh, the, uh, the judiciary can't step in between Congress and the states and, and make rules that, that, uh, that don't exist about, about legislation or about the constitution. So unless an amendment has a time or has a, a an expiration date baked into the proposal, uh, the the ruling from the courts is that amendments are they're just live. They're live. They're sitting out there. That's right. And someday, all it's going to take is North Dakota suddenly having a majority for the ERA, and suddenly it will be in the Constitution. So this is how we have a twenty seventh amendment. So I have considered the 27th Amendment as an omnibus subject, because uh, am I wrong? It's a, it was a, a kid trying to show up his high school principal or something. Is that, is that right? There were, uh, a student by the name of Ger- uh, Greg, yeah, Greg Watson, in the early 80s, he was a government, a student of government at, um, at some, UT Austin. See some Alex P. Keaton type yeah. Reagan nerd? Reagan nerd. Uh, although, no, he's not a Reagan nerd. He's gone on to work in legislative politics and um, and has kind of, you know, made made a pretty good career out of uh, being a progressive, like other, other side of the aisle. Yeah, huh. a, a guy working working in the in the halls of power. But uh, at the time, Greg was a you know an undergraduate at UT, and he realized that. There was an amendment proposed at the at the same time as the Bill of Rights that was still live, and it was an amendment that had to do with the pay uh, Congress's ability to grant a pay raise to itself, give itself a raise. Yeah, and it was imp- it was important at the time. There was a lot of in in the original sort of constitutional convention. There was a lot of push and pull between federalists and, and, and anti-federalists. And anti-federalists were very concerned, as, as they are today, with, um, with the federal government having too much power, with it not representing the people, with it not being a populist, you know, and having it baked into the Constitution that it was not a populist document and the, the federal government would accrue to itself all these powers – that would make it. They didn't have to worry. Dangerously un, un and and <laughs> dangerously unmanageable. Luckily, we know <laughs> that could never happen. And and good old James Madison uh, of Virginia, who was kind of an uh, the, one of the main architects of the Constitution, was trying to and the namesake of the mermaid in Splash. Is that right? His na- the mermaid's name was Spl- was James Madison. Yes, her name is James Madison. I never saw Splash, so I guess I no. Her name's Madison. She's based on. She's named after the Avenue. Which oh, I Madison assume, in turn, is named after James Madison and not messy Oscar Madison. <laughs> Wouldn't it be better if it was named after Oscar Madison? Wouldn't it be better if Oscar Madison proposed a lot of amendments like, Felix! Maybe Oscar Madison is the namesake of Madison, the, uh, 
The mermaid, the mermaid? splash. It could be. She's pretty sloppy. Is she? Well, she eats raw fish, I'm yeah, presuming. She, she doesn't know how to. Blech. She never probably, combed her hair. She sloppily kisses Tom Hanks, I guess. Hot. Maybe I should watch this. It's movie. on Disney Plus, but she's been pixelized. Did Why? You, oh, because you could see her boobies? Yeah, there. I think there is nudity. Oh. It's like an early touchstone picture or something. Uh, it's, back, it's kind in, of a, a Disney's first attempt at PG. In that era when uh, when every comedy had to have one gratuitous scene where a woman took her top off. You're like, hey, yeah. how can this be a comedy? It had Dan Aykroyd, but nobody took off her uh, her top. Yeah, there's no like shower scene. Uh, the idea of Congress being a, a body that was... Um, both represent, you know, it's the body that's supposed to represent the people. The Senate is the hoary institution where the moneyed class. It's the House of Lords. It's the House of Lords, right? And the House of Commons, our legislature. There was a there was a lot of um, a lot of sort of bandying back and forth between sort of federalists and anti federalists about how to maintain the the kind of people's house and how to write that stuff into the constitution and not have it just be conventional because there was conventional conventional like done at conventions well and yeah and done uh, by conventional wisdom it. okay yeah and and that had uh they wanted the anti-federalists wanted this assurance they wanted an assurance that the constitution was uh, was modifiable and was going to be modified. And James Madison said, and, and because because it was necessary to ratify the Constitution itself, and we're talking about the original 13 colonies, when you think about it now, we are governed by all these documents that were ratified in a lot of cases by between nine and 12 states, you know, right. but, but to ratify the Constitution, and ratifying the Constitution didn't all happen at once. When you think about the early days of the union, it wasn't a thing where all 13 colonies rubber stamped the constitution on day one. There wasn't a big signing ceremony, right? Like it, the declaration of independence painting. It was a process of getting States to sign on, but it was what, when the ninth state or 10th, I guess, how would the math work? So the original, the original three States in 1787 that ratified the constitution were Delaware first, the first, the first state. The it, first state. It still says on the license plates, I think. Delaware, Pennsylvania, and New Jersey in uh, in December of 1789. It's the only time Delaware is ever first, unless you're making a list of well, states that rhyme with smell-aware. They're, they are first in, in terms of incorporating- uh, That's right. Like, <laughs> Number of insurance companies. <laughs> shipping companies. And then the fourth state in, in uh, 1788 was Georgia. So now you're looking at- for a four-state country, Delaware, Pennsylvania, New, New Jersey, and Georgia have ratified the Constitution. And do you remember we celebrated 1787 as the bicentennial of the Constitution in 1987? Right. And it was kind of a not that not a 17 not a 1976 big deal, but they tried to make it a thing. It was like yeah, but it was not actually the bicentennial of the ratification, right? It was just the. You know, it was the, the writing of the document. I it guess. was there, and it was you know, it was live, right? It had, it was, um, it was ready to be ratified. Uh, then next came in in 1788, Connecticut, Massachusetts, Maryland, South Carolina, New Hampshire, Virginia, and New York all ratified it in the space of that year. And it took, you know, it, it wasn't until uh, July that New York 
ratified it, at which point we had 11 states that had ratified the Constitution. And what was the cutoff? I don't want to do the math here. The cutoff to what? To three quarters. Don't you need, wasn't there a- Oh, that was, that was I mean, of, of the 13 original colonies, um, you know, we had a- 10 out of 13 gets you to three quarters. Right. And we had 11 at New York. And then in after after New York ratified the Constitution, Madison proposed the first twelve amendments to the Constitution, and these were amendments there to appease anti-federalists and to demonstrate that the Constitution was a living document and could be amended even in its first couple of years. Like, let's get some amendments in there. Interesting that some of these basic concepts, like freedom of speech and freedom of the press were not in the original constitution. Yeah. And and I think they weren't in the original constitution because the founders kind of had a lot of presumptions about, as, as we've seen a lot of the American form of government as it's evolved was based on the presumption that gentlemen shook hands over how things were done. And the Trump administration has really showed us how, to what degree uh, our, our like enshrined sense of what our process is has been more or less based of fa- failure of imagination, right. basically. Just and and just sort of like yeah, just a just conventional sort of um, handshake deals. And and I think the original founders believed that a lot of the a lot of what became the Bill of Rights was stuff that was assumed and didn't need to be elucidated, but was elucidated by Madison specifically to to salve the the um the fears of people that said if it's not in there then it isn't guaranteed and i guess that specifically there are amendments in the bill of rights that say hey if it's not here it these rights are held by the states and right. it, and if it's not there either they're held by the people right so that that's expressly in the bill of rights that this is not a complete list right that's right and we we reserve the right to in this instance amend the constitution 27 times of the so the bill of rights is 10 amendments but there were 12 submitted oh cutting room floor and one of those was uh the amendment that dealt with congress's ability to raise their own pay and the amendment just stipulated that congress could not amend their own pay uh in the term of the of the the Congress that that passed the law, any pay raise that Congress gave itself would only take effect after the next election. Right. So you couldn't raise your own pay. You were raising pay for Congress, and you could have lost your job. And what that what that meant was that Congress, if the Congress voted a big pay raise, and the and the people of the union felt that they were. Um, that they were going to the trough, they could all be voted vote, out. Vote every single one out. And so I think it should be on a per congressperson basis. You should continue to get the old salary until you retire. It's not until your successor replaces you. Oh, that's that a he nice or she idea. gets the he or she gets the new paycheck. Well, cost of living increases were kind of uh, were thought of in terms of this amendment. But in the ratification of those first amendments, it was not presented as the Bill of Rights was not presented as an amendment to the constitution. Each one of the 12 uh, articles argued separately were argued separately and ratified separately. Hmm. And so of the, of the 12, the, the second of the, of, 
And we, we think of the Second Amendment as being the right to bear arms, and we hear that talked about all the time, the Second Amendment to the Constitution. But in fact, the right to keep and bear arms was the fourth proposed oh, the, article. The Perez one was top two? The Perez was, was two. Was that, that was top of mind ahead of, uh, ahead of freedom of speech. Ahead of freedom of speech and the right to bear arms, it was how is Congress going to conduct itself? How is Congress going to what, – what are the rules – uh, that are um, what, how how do we codify exactly how the legislature is going to grow and be compensated? Because the Senate is pretty simple; each state gets two, and each state gets two. And the presumption is that the senators are going to be from the moneyed class. And partly it is that because there are only two senators, they're elected statewide. They need to be famous men, people in the. People in far off Virginia have to know them as well as people in, in Richmond. And so it's, it's kind of the, the concept of it's, a senator. It's, it's not your local guy, like, right. like your congressman is, and they like don't, your representative They is. don't need to be in touch with the Conestoga wagon concerns of, of folks on the, uh, at the edge of, or on the frontier of their own state. They need to be concerned with the, ov- you know, the overall well-being of their state. But the legislature is districted and legislators are um, apportioned, right? Each one represents a certain number of citizens. And so they, and, and the premise is that that, um, that that representation be small enough that not only is the, is the congressperson um, supposed to understand the local concerns, but also that the congressperson would be a literally man of the people in the in that they would not they would not be of high station the founders really wanted there oh, to I be see. a middle class you want more more less elite right. uh, congressional representatives as opposed to the fewer you have the more they have to be the more likely they are to be elite elites in some sense. Right. And so, and this was, this was a big anti-federalist concern was that, uh, that the legislature be people of, you know, of middle-class station. Um, and that was part, that was part of the checks and balances. Before we get into all this apportionment stuff, yeah. do we need to get back to Greg Watson? So Greg Watson, so the, so the, the pay, uh, uh, the ability of Congress to pay itself or to alter its pay, did not achieve the ratification numbers in the states that it needed. And this was a time, as as I do, we know why is it controversial, or did states just was it just a matter of business that never got taken up due to other stuff, so like the Corwin Amendment? So what happened is the Bill of Rights and all the and the, the, this first group of twelve <laughs> amendments was presented by Madison. In um, in September of eighty nine, seventeen eighty nine, at which point only eleven states had ratified the Constitution, uh-huh. and so the number of states required to ratify the amendments was seven, three, right? Three quarters of eleven, not of thirteen, right? Three Got quarters it. of eleven. Got it. Which meant that. If the states had all immediately ratified the Bill of Rights, um, all twelve of them would have been would have been ratified, you know, in in late seventeen eighty nine. 
But in, a, in November of 1789, North Carolina ratified the Constitution and was now in the, in the Union, but also changed the math on how many states it required to ratify an amendment. And then Rhode Island joined the Union in May of 90. And with each subsequent state, even if you got up to the number of of uh, states necessary to ratify it based on the the number when it was proposed. The previous math. Each new state changed the math <clears throat> and added another state necessary to ratify it. And at a certain point, Congress's ability to pay itself started to be uh, decided by statute. Right there, it, it was states couldn't get their acts together because in order to ratify an amendment or to ratify the constitution itself, state houses, both the high house and low house of a state had to pass the ratification. And you often had a problem where the, the, uh, the legislature, I'm sorry, the, you know, the, the lower house would pass it and the, and the state Senate would harumph harumph over it. And states were at the time re you know, like a Senate, the Senate would rewrite the amendment and send it back (laughs) And say like, well, we changed, you know, we changed the thus to this or whatever. And, and it would, you know, it threw the whole thing into disarray. Our guy, Greg Watson, realized that this congressional pay amendment was still a live amendment. And he wrote a paper about it for his government class. The paper was read by a, a teaching assistant and given a C <laughs> because the teaching assistant was like, that's not what it says. This is, you're just, you know, this is just a stunt <clears throat> like boo. And Watson took the paper to his, to the professor, a woman by the name of Sharon Waite and appealed it like, Hey, you know, this is, I like, I, I think this is pretty well backed up. He's a grade grubber. And his teacher, the professor, uh, Ms. Waite said, no, I, I agree with the teaching assistant, like, this is a C paper. And Greg Watson got a B in his bonnet. They got a C in his bonnet. He got a C in his bonnet. He wanted a B in his bonnet. He wanted at least a B in his bonnet. And it was during a period where there had been a few national kerfluffles about Congress raising their own pay. Yeah, I remember this. In the early 80s. Late 70s, early 80s, Congress gave themselves a few pay raises, and it was, uh, you know, it was a big editorial page topic for a few years. Those fat cats in Washington. How dare they? Hurrah, rah, rah. And so Watson started a letter writing campaign where he just started sending letters to all uh, all the states saying, hey, you know, nine states ratified this or whatever back in uh, 1790 uh, if you... If your state ratifies it, you know, we'll be on our way. And to his great surprise, the state of Maine said, hey, not a bad idea. And the state, uh, the state Congress, the House and Senate ratified. The legislature took it up and and passed it. And all of a sudden, Watson's got this head of steam. And so he's got to get to 38, right? 38 states at the time. Yeah. And so he just starts cranking out these letters and it was a, it was kind of a fashionable thing to do for states to say, you know what, we're going to rein in the U S Congress. This is a great, you know, it was no cost to us. (laughs) Right. 
right? Uh, it, it gives the states a chance to take up arms against the Congress and also hearken back to this amendment that never happened. This is something that maybe uh, the future and maybe even other countries in our time won't understand that Congress, our elected representatives in our government, is always incredibly unpopular. Yeah. Congre- congressional approval numbers, even when Congress is doing just fine, are always something like 28% or something. You we, know, we elect these people to go to Congress and or go to Washington and represent and us. And we immediately hate them. Like until they're in Congress, they have great, re- they have great numbers. And then yeah. we send them and it's like 39% approval. Like yeah. mos- mosquitoes have better approval ratings than Congress. And this was a great opportunity for state houses yeah. to take on the we national are, house. We are... I voted for this thing that protects your interest against those clowns in the Beltway. Right. Uh, and as um, as Watson started to investigate his amendment, he realized that in 1873, Ohio had actually ratified. And nobody noticed. And nobody noticed <laughs> because Ohio was was you know was making some statement about congressional pork belly stuff, and they ratified this amendment. What would have been the second article uh, of the future Bill of Rights? And then in 1978, just a few years before, Wyoming had done the same thing. Wyoming had ratified it as a, you know, to send a message to Washington, a message that no one heard or cared about. (laughs) In the process of it, he got his, uh, he got his 38th state with Michigan in 1992 and the amendment, which would have been the Second Amendment, became the 27th Amendment. And it was only after the fact that it was discovered that Kentucky had in fact ratified it in 1792 and forgot. The whole state <laughs> forgot they'd ratified it. Nobody wrote it down? Well, it's 200 years earlier. You know, anybody who would have remembered, not around anymore. But somehow you would think it would have, there would have been a piece of paper like tucked into a book somewhere. I think the thing is that that paper is so voluminous, right? When, when you right. look at the, at the minutes of, of state legislatures and, the, and the, the, the dorky things they do every day yeah, and, and the complete listing of the proceedings— it's just too bulky. Really hard to, to to remember every amendment to the Constitution your state has ratified. Did it? Uh, it's true. You should remember those before the arguments over a you know a day to honor the you know the new species of pine tree or whatever. But you know, Kentucky ratified it a second time. Oh, they ratified it twice as, as, as part, part of, of Greg's campaign. As a part of Greg's campaign. Did this happen in time for him to get his uh, grade changed? So later on, many years later, in fact, a reporter. Uh, investigating this whole story realized that that Greg still had a C on that paper <laughs> and he Does he need to get 38 states to, to well, change the grade? Uh, the reporter contacted uh, Professor Waite who had stopped who had left academia and become like a bee farmer or something and said, "Hey, this is an injustice." And she submitted a change of grade form to the University of Texas uh, and wanted the the grade change to A+. University of Texas said that they don't that A is the highest grade at, at University of Texas. There is no A plus. Great inflation again. But there was they, they were under considerable pressure, and so the only A plus grade ever <laughs> awarded in the University of Texas system <laughs> went r- retroactively to Greg Watson's 1982. And paper. rightly so. Yeah. It's not like anybody else's work got a congressional amendment passed. Think, think about that. I mean, that, that only happens on average once every five or ten years in American history. That's right. 
That's right. Well, a lot, a lot less frequently than that if you go the whole 10 years, given that there have been 27, or I'm sorry, 200. No, 27 amendments years. over 200 years. Oh, yeah, I guess you're right. So while you were asking about other amendments, thinking back to this time frame, I, I don't know if any of these passed either House of Congress, but there was in the 80s a brief flurry of excitement over flag desecration. And when even the conservative justices on the Supreme Court ruled that flag justification was protected by the first, or flag desecration was protected by the First Amendment, an amendment turned out to be the only remedy. And I don't, it, I don't know how far it got. It never passed both houses of Congress. The the um, the amendments that they must have passed Newt's House or something, right? Yeah, but didn't you know? Didn't make never it through the, Senate. the Senate. Yeah, the ones that have the 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 six is amendments. It, is there a balanced budget? That's also nope, from that my was lifetime. also that was also one that they an abortive attempt in my lifetime. Yeah, are these all old timey? No, uh, the most recent one, in fact, is the Washington D.C. Voting Rights oh, right. Amendment. Uh, and now we're talking about Washington D.C. being admitted as a state, which is the other alternative. That's a um, but but for a long time because within the Constitution, it's mandated that there be a capital city of the United States that is not within a state. Because it was thought that it would advantage a particular state if right. the, uh, too much prestige if the capital is there. So for Washington, D.C. to be made a state, there still needs to be a federal campus within Washington, D.C. that is excluded from the city. Is that what the current statehood plan would involve? Like yeah. just, just making the mall a district that's that, right. with no residents? That's right. That that's that that the from the White House to the Congress and you know there on on Pennsylvania Avenue, that would still be a capital city ex- excluded from the new state of Washington D.C. or the new state of Columbia or whatever it would be called. I guess I hadn't thought about that. Yeah, because well, you can't. You could. What if you're a homeless person living on the mall and your address is uh, in there? You still can't vote. You're. You can't vote. No I'm representation, afraid. buddy. If, if you live in the FBI building, you, you won't be able to vote. If you're, if you've been living in the basement of the Smithsonian for decades. Uh, the other amendments. So ERA, you're right, was ratified by a lot of states, but not enough. Uh, and is still live. We should do the ERA because people misremember how that happened. Yeah. It, it was part of the Republican platform in. Uh, 72, I think before Phyllis Schlafly uh, managed to... Flip it around. Schlafly? Schlafly. Schlafly, I say. Schlafly. Scha- Schlafly. I, uh, I, uh, the ERA has been on my list since the very beginning. And then I think I did Anita Bryant and... and you felt you'd done enough for the no, cause? I feel like I, you know, I, it, I need to weasel my way back to the ERA. But actually there was an amendment to the Constitution proposed that outlawed child labor. Oh, interesting. And in the process of trying to get it passed, enough laws were passed uh, that like sort of obviated the need for there uh, to be a congressional amendment. Uh, we've talked about the slavery um, amendment, Cor- the Corwin, but there was one before that, which was an amendment that stipulated, and this was during the War of 1812, that if you accepted a title from any European nation— if you were knighted by the queen, you would immediately lose your American citizenship. Uh, that has become a kind of, um, there's again, a sort of uh, gentleman's agreement that Americans do not accept titles from European powers, but it was an amendment that didn't, that, that passed both houses of the Congress, but did not get ratified by all the states. John, you have a sensitive nose. I have an extremely sensitive nose and ex- and sensitive taste. 
buds. Uh, the taste is not so relevant here because okay. I'm going to talk about deodorant. Are, are you okay focusing on smell for about a minute? Absolutely. I've, I'm smelling all kinds of smells right now. Unless you eat your deodorant. I'm not a super smeller, but close. Uh, do you you think there's a cutoff for super smelling and you're not quite there? I, I uh, Somebody was talking about me as a super taster and, uh, and our a friend of the show, John Flansberg, jumped into the conversation at the time and said, he's not a super taster, a super taster, blah, 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 blah. And he ran down a list of things that super tasters were that I wasn't. And uh, I feel like the same applies to super smellers, but I am extremely sensitive. Does to that smells. mean you are uh, uh, careful about your own smells and sensitive to the smells of others? It's the one thing I can never know. And right. I don't know how much you can know how you smell to others, but I do have a powerful musk. But wouldn't it be nice if you could smell nice, but also not use all the artificial sweat gland plugging ingredients and in antiperspirants? I hate all that sweat oh. gland plugging ingredients. I don't want to smear aluminum on myself. No, me either. Or sulfates. I don't want to smell weird either. I want to smell natural. Would you like to smell like, for example, coastal oak and amber? I hope I already do, sweet, but yes. Sweet, if you don't, sweet peach and nectar. That Cac- sounds cactus nice. flower and I would, poppy. I might wear that sweet peach and nectar. Apple and honeysuckle. First date. I'm uh, I'm trying to tempt your uh, your uh, fancy tickle your fancy and and tickle your armpits. Yes. With these uh, scents from the summer seasonals line by Native Deodorants. Oh, hello, hello, Native Deodorants summer seasonal scents. Native now has plastic-free packaging. Here, here. Which is nice. I'm more and more into that every day. And if you've ever wanted to try some kind of uh, odor-fighting protection that does not have aluminum and the other junk you find in your deodorant, you can now try it risk-free. Oh, uh, that's cool. They have free 30-day returns. They have free shipping in the U.S. People love Native. I was looking at their site the other day. I noticed they have over 15,000 five-star reviews. That seems really incredible. That seems like a lot. Our show doesn't even have 15,000 five-star reviews. No. Even though it should. I mean, let's say our show has 1,000 five-star reviews, which I'd be very happy with. That means this deodorant is 14 times better than this podcast. (laughs) Uh, Our show also contains no aluminum. Yeah. By the way, if you're listening, go to uh, whichever podcast schlepper you you have and and rate and review the show. But until we get up to, to, what, 14, 15,000, we are just eating native deodorants dust. So what what do you do to uh, to get native deodorant? If you want to switch to native, surely we have some kind of special deal for people. Oh, John, do we ever? You need to go to nativedeo.com. That's n a t i v e d e o dot com slash omnibus, mm-hmm. and then use promo code omnibus during checkout, and you'll get twenty percent off your first order. So that's n a t i v e d e o dot com slash omnibus. And use the promo code OMNIBUS for 20% off. Make the switch to native today. Smell better. The queen still gives honorary knighthoods to Americans, right? So Americans can hold honorary knighthoods uh, granted by the queen, but they because they're not citizens of the, of the Commonwealth, they aren't knights in the sense that they can be called sir or dame oh i'm looking sir steven spielberg he's yep. not he's steven spielberg kb bill, da- bill gates dame angelina KBE. jolie 
Yeah. Uh, so, See? well, this this amendment would have changed a lot of lives, right? That's right. Angelina Jolie would have had to renounce her citizenship, even as an honorary dame. That's right. And the thing is, all of these people, Bill Gates, uh, Bill Clinton, Angelina Jolie, like Ra- I would Ralph send them Ralph Lauren, all. weirdly? I'd, I'd send them all across the pond. I think America... Ralph I Lauren's mean, most, like, he's 51% British anyway, right? Huh. I mean, he... In terms of... In terms in of ter- his style? Yes. Yeah, yeah. No, he's 100% British in terms of his style. We'll talk about that. In my next episode of The Omnibus. We don't don't usually get a teaser. A week from today. Um, But the first article. Right, because this this 27th Amendment was actually Article the Second. Right, and the the 27th Amendment would have been the Second Amendment if it had been... uh, if it had been ratified in its time. So this has to be something even more important than the two most pressing issues, which were in order, congressional pay raises and freedom of expression. That's right. Okay. The first article proposed by, uh, by Madison when he submitted the original 12 amendments, which, uh, the, 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 from which we, the 10 carved the bill of rights. That's right. The 10 of the bill of rights were actually, Eight through twelve. This is so or, I'm exciting. Sorry, second through twelve. This would have been the, the first thing, top of mind for top James mind. Madison. The first article was an amendment that dealt with congressional apportionment, which means how you decide how many congressional districts there are. It means how many people does any one congressman represent? I see, and it's a question both of how many um, how how proportionate a congressperson is to its population and how big Congress is. So at the time there was a sense that Congress needed to be a certain size. The population of the, of the original nine States or whatever, um, there needed to be the, there needed the, the, um, the ratio of citizens to congresspeople needed to be small enough that Congress itself, that the legislature, would be large enough to represent the diversity of the population. But in anticipating the growth of the population of the United States, there also needed to be some limit put on how, how I mean, if you if you set a hard and fast rule, say, for instance, that for there would be a congressperson for every 30,000 American citizens right. as the population of America grew so too would the population of the legislature until it became an unwieldy uh an unwieldy size and I'm, I'm looking at the original numbers here in mm-hmm. the 1790 census there were about 4 million Americans and the very first congress by the time North Carolina and Rhode Island got their seats it looks like 59 members of the house of representatives so at the time, let me do the math. Oh, it's it's the devil's work. Each each of these Congress people is representing sixty six thousand six hundred and sixty six Americans, right? By that ratio, and the the this amendment too too many to know. By by the way, a man of the people cannot know six hundred or sixty six thousand six hundred. You will not know everyone people. in your district, but there are enough that it's not just the two most famous person in your state. But there was a feeling, a very strong feeling, that there should be that the that the that the lower house should have a larger number of representatives. That the ratio of representatives to uh, to citizens be a lot lower. 
In fact, George Just Washington. Because if it's bigger, it'll have more power? or uh, Because those because it will keep it as a democratic institution rather than as an aristocratic one, but also um, that it, uh, that it truly be sort of uh, representative and, and less. um, If your state's a lot of farmers, it should be farmers. Right. That, that, that in fact, 66,666 people in a state that only had, Oh, that had you know a couple hundred thousand people did effectively mean that you were a statewide representative. Yeah. Um, George Washington, who never weighed in on these matters, who stayed, who remained silent throughout his term on all this kind of congressional like uh, hullabaloo, federalist, anti-federalist, blah blah blah, actually weighed in on this topic and said that he felt like every. 30,000 people should have a representative in the Congress. Um, he wanted that number to be relatively low so that Congress would be a large and diverse body of people. Was anybody considering the math problem presented by, uh, you know, the least populous state, the least you can give, it's the Wyoming problem today, the least populous state, the least you can give them is one. You can't put 0.3 of a person in the house. Right. So... Did, were they doing math based on, let me see, what's the least populous state in the first census? Delaware. Good job. Yay. Even smaller. First in size. <laughs> if, you go, if you start at the bottom. <laughs> only 12,000 people, and by people I mean free white males right. uh, of voting age. Right. Uh, so so the, it, was, it was stipulated that no state could have fewer than one representatives in the, in the House. There's no vivisection in Article the First. No. Um, but the math was something that was, you know, that was very complicated. And Madison had solutions. The various states offered different solutions. The At the time, the most populous state, it looks like, would have been Pennsylvania or Virginia with about 110,000. So roughly a ratio of 10 to 1 between the biggest and the smallest state. Right. Today, I guess you're, I'm getting ahead of you, but what's the ratio of California to Wyoming? It's, it's more than 10, let's just say. California has about 40 million people. Wyoming has 400,000. Yeah. Like half a million. Yeah. So it really, it really is closer to one in a hundred than one in 10. And that's, um, you know, that's sort of the, the miracle of the U S system of government, right? The Wyoming has two senators, just like, just like California does. By miracle, do you mean <laughs> incredibly, incredible problem of representation at the moment? <clears throat> the, so Article the First, this was, this was considered in many ways by all parties the most important thing to adjudicate to, to right, get right out of the gate. Because otherwise, how do you know even how many people are in your legislature? That's right. This was, this was the big issue. And the article— basically laid it out that the legislature should have, um, the House should have no less than 100 congresspeople, nor less than one representative per 40,000 citizens, until the legislature reaches 200 members, at which point there should be not more than one representative per 50,000 people. Not okay, so it, that that curbs the growth. 
is that, is that that curbs the growth of the, uh, it sort of changes the curve, right? It, out of maybe a recognition that the current ratio is maybe unsustainable as the country grows. Yeah. As you get to the original ratio, as you get to more and more people, you need to start to kind of, you know, uh, to, to make those round that off those districts bigger. Yeah. If that, if that, um, if that math were used, if this article had been ratified, for instance, we would currently have a legislature that had about 6,600 members. <laughs> Congress would have 6,600 people? 6,600 people. If, if, this, uh, if that math were pursued without amendment and, or without modification. And Madison foresaw that and had a, you know, had the idea of there being more, um, you know, as, as the representation or as more and more people got into the United States, there would, there would be sort of a greater, um, the, the ratio would you change. You could gradually change yeah. the ratio. 6,600. California would have almost 900 Congress people. <laughs> one of the other considerations, of course, is that how, how big can a body grow before it no longer can effectively deliberate? And in, we see now that even our current Congress, which has 435 members, mm-hmm. it, it's it's almost impossible for them to reach a consensus anymore. If you can imagine 600 and I'm not sure 6, size 000. is the defining factor, yeah, but, right. but it certainly would be if you had 10 or 15 times as many people. Well, in terms of how, you know, if each Congress person has the right to get up and speak to the entire body. Yeah, just parliamentarily, it's yeah. a nightmare, right? Right. Um, that's not a word, by the way. Parliamentarily. Parliamentarily. Parliamentarianally, perhaps. Anyway, th- this amendment, uh, it was understood that it was uh, important, and it was ratified in pretty short order by New Jersey, Maryland, North Carolina, South Carolina, New Hampshire, New York, Rhode Island, Pennsylvania. Like I lost track. What is that? Nine. Uh, we got to we got to nine, not right away because some of the states like Delaware didn't ratify it. Uh, First Georgia, state my ass. Massachusetts, Virginia, but after the addition of the, the of the states that that came after those initial eleven, North Carolina, Rhode Island, Vermont, and Kentucky. They each ratified it as they joined. But it was still always just behind the number it needed. Every time, right? It needed nine initially, and then North Carolina joined, and now it needed 10. But North Carolina uh, ratified it. So we were just down by one. Do we, do we have any sense of why the states that didn't ratify didn't ratify? Was it just procedural, or did they have beefs with specific complaints about the proportionment? It was, uh, it was often just that... Between the two houses, one of the houses ratified it and the other didn't. It ended up that Connecticut was the state that hung in the balance. And Connecticut, the lower house passed the law and sent it to the Senate. And the Senate, the Connecticut Senate, said, we shouldn't ratify this until after the next election. Because... You know, it's, sure, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna punt this. It'll redraw Congress. But after the next election, the Senate passed it, but then the lower house rejected it. The new, the freshman class of the new house—they're just full of power. They they realize they're the they're the fulcrum of this. That's right. They're mad with power. So 
it could have passed the Connecticut, uh, like uh, the Connecticut Congress in uh, November or October of 1789, but when it bounced back after the election uh, in May of 1790, the lower house rejected it, and uh, and part of this was because when the when the bill when the amendment went through the U.S. House and and Senate mm-hmm. originally, the Senate rewrote it slightly and passed a slightly different version than the House had passed, and it was in that confusion that a lot of the states weren't sure whether you know weren't weren't sure of the formula and honestly the formula would have created a problem even not considering the 6600 members of a current congress there would have been when this when the population of the united states reached about 10 or 11 million there would have been some like um a, a math problem that would have that would have rendered this a very like an untenable kind of. It would, it would be unworkably large, much sooner than right than anybody thought. But after Kentucky ratified it, and Kentucky uh, Kentucky was um, was the last state to ratify the amendment, and we still needed one more state. Kentucky was the. What was it? The fifteenth state, and we at that point needed twelve states to ratify it. And Connecticut never made it over the fence. And after Kentucky, no further state ever considered it. It must have been. It must have looked pretty dead. It looked pretty dead if new states weren't thinking that way. And what was what was happening was kind of like the child labor thing. They were they were introducing interim statutes to cover the bases uh, that ended up just kind of covering the law or, you know, like making the decision about how big the Congress was going to be. And, it, and that ad hoc procedure worked all the way until 1911, at which point the, the Congress was 433 uh, – legislators large and there was again a recognition that this is about all this you is, can do this is about all we can do and so they capped congress at 433 but with the uh the recognition that Arizona and New Mexico were about to join the union and so they gave each one a a uh, a congressperson and so 435 became the so the, number our, of our current number is just a coincidence based on what happened to be the statutory size of congress in Around 1911. They they made the law, and they realized that they couldn't take a representative away from anybody. They were out of offices in the whatever, uh, not the, the Dirksen building, whatever the house office building is. Yeah, what is the house office building? It's the, it's not the- um, The Gingrich building. Yeah, it's, let's call it the Gingrich the, building. The Rayburn building. No, I the, yeah, I think it is the- No, Rayburn is the Senate building. No, wait a minute. No, it's the house. Well, anyway, this is going to be embarrass us because- We don't care to All those up. DC statehood people are going to be really yelling at us. Uh, it briefly was 437 when Alaska and Hawaii joined, but after the subsequent census, now the ratio between citizens and Congress people is tied to the number rather than the other way around. So yes. with each subsequent census, you have a certain percentage of the population that's right. allotted to you, a certain percentage of the population of the house allotted to you based on your population. That's right. But technically, 
This amendment is still live. But you need a lot of states if it only ever got up to, what did you say, 12? Yeah, we had, we had uh, 11 states that ratified it. So you need, you need 27 more. 27 states to ratify Or 28 if D.C. gets stated. That's right. An, uh, an interesting fact that I did not realize until I started researching this is that my great-great-great-great-great-grandfather, okay. five greats, great-great-great-great-great-grandfather, was actually in the first United States Congress. Really? Um, he was in the, he was in the first Congress what and state? the second and third as a representative of Virginia. Um, and I never knew that. I always thought that, I, I mean, I knew that he was, uh, a, the governor of Virginia. What's his name? After I, I, still, Madison. I still happen to have the first U.S. Congress page open. His name is John Page. There he is. And he was, um, he was the. He looks like a roguish fellow. He was very roguish. He, he, um, he grew up in a sort of famous house. He was Thomas Jefferson's college roommate, and I knew those things about him. He was quoted in W's first inaugural. Well, I didn't know that either. I guess he was friends with Jefferson, and he wrote him a letter saying, we know the race is not to the swift nor the battle to the strong. I think that's from the Bible. He didn't make that right, up. No, that Do you does. not think an angel rides in the whirlwind and directs this storm? So he had some kind of vaguely Jeffersonian sentiment that got into an inaugural address in our century, in our millennium. So Page, is, uh, Page was uh, the 13th governor of Virginia. He was in those first three Congresses, but he also, he and... And Jefferson carried on a very long correspondence. And love affair. So there's a lot of, uh, there's just a lot of material between them. The two, the two wrote a bunch of, um, and he's a college of William and Mary graduate, but there are, um, and he, and his house, uh, was a plantation in Virginia called Rosewell, which is even still the, the, the ruins of it still stand and it's still, a Still a tourist attraction in Virginia. Do aliens go there accidentally? It's the uh, yeah, it's, it's right. They're 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 looking at their map and they're like Roswell, Ros, Rose, Roswell. Oh, autocorrect. But of all of the things that I thought I knew, it was it was reverse genealogy that as I as I was reading this, I was like, oh, this is fascinating, and I was, you know, as you do reading the list of all the Congress members of the first U.S. Congress. And I said, what? I know that name. First Congress is pretty good. It's like being in the Mercury 7. Yeah. Except you're all wearing um, knee breeches and, and, and you're walking 59 abreast in he, slow motion. He didn't sign the Declaration of Independence. He wasn't like, he wasn't there. Because he didn't like it. I'm, <laughs> but, not doing, I'm not just signing this crap. But yeah, a lot of, I mean, he, he his, uh, his signature presumably is on the Bill of Rights. Congratulations. Thanks. Yeah, well. Uh, you know, I don't think you should be taking any credit. It didn't pass down to me any. I mean, it, ultimately, the question is, did I get any money out of it? And answer: no. Still no. But maybe you have his roguish lift of the eyebrow or something. You know, I. Uh, you have a better hairline. Than I'm grateful did. I don't have his hairline. That's right. But I would trade anything for his waistcoat. It's pretty nice.
And that concludes Article the First, Entry 070.JE0705, Certificate Number 21125, in the Omnibus. Now, future listeners, uh, we uh, we were men of the people. I don't know how many how many uh, listeners the Omnibus has. Tens of thousands of listeners. Tens so, and tens. So you and I each represent some five-digit five number of, yeah. uh, of Omnibus people. That's and, right. And I feel like that's enough that we should know your names. That's close to Madison's ratio. I'm certainly, of the two of us, uh, uh, the, the man of the people. And we've had a draft. We alternated and we chose which listeners we wanted. That's right. And we will announce who was last. <laughs> <laughs> it was... Uh, no, I, I was going to say Sparky, the guy that sends us the postcards. But no, he went. He no, went in the first round. Sparky's, Sparky's tough. Uh, if you would like to uh, make your voice heard, uh, our our offices are always open. You can uh, reach us on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter, what have you, at, at John Roderick or at Ken Jennings or jointly at Omnibus Project. Uh, you can email us at theomnibusproject at gmail.com, and you will get a form reply from one of our staffers mm-hmm. about your, whatever your dumb legislative mm-hmm. idea is. Thank you for your letter. <laughs> It'll talk like that. <laughs> I am a musical robot. Uh, you can send us uh, physical items through the U.S. mail uh, in our time at uh, whatever the address is. P.O. Box 55744, Shoreline, Washington, 98155. I have right here. I wish I could say which of our constituents sent us this, but I can't. It's um, a why cop- can you not? Because they sent it directly from an Amazon used bookstore. Oh, and I don't know who this the. It's an Amazon used bookstore in Richmond Hills, Texas, but I don't know who the sender was. It's a copy of the Hide and Seek Duck, huh? A, a 1952 wonder book, which looks like a um, a little golden books knockoff. And here's what I love on the back. It says uh, the wonder book slo- uh, slogan, uh, our watchword, with washable covers. Oh, that is important. You got to have a book with a washable cover. It gets all that applesauce on it. You don't want kids peeing and, and spilling uh, uh, honey on the hide and seek duck. Now, this may be somewhat related to a very old, um, a very old meme of mine where I described the search for meaning in life as finding one's duck because I was admiring a a bird dog discovering. Um, that what they were really about was a duck. Yeah, I don't care. I don't care about any of this. I mean, this was this was years ago. I have no idea. That's the only connection I have to a hide and seek. I think you might be right because the duck is being sought by the three cuddly kittens, right? Susie, the big dog, and the little dog. That appears to be the cast of characters. Everyone here. seeks the duck. So it is. It is about duck finding. Yes. This book and finding your duck is a is a way that I have used in the past to describe finding purpose in life. Uh, and it has washable covers. Thank you, uh, nameless contributor of that. And we also have a new postcard from um, our friend Mark, uh, who brought his kind of beautiful trademark gradations of watercolor to bear on the Arctic with our uh, rolled Amundsen's uh, airship postcard. Isn't that lovely? That is lovely. Although he tells us he prefers Robert Falcon Scott because... uh, not because he died, but because his journal is so poetic and Amundsen did not have that kind of poetry in his soul. Or maybe he would have if he'd been dying of, of deprivation. Well, he's an artist, so of course he would say that. That's the thing about artists. I prefer the guy who dies on the tundra. Yeah, I prefer the uh, guy the who, who, had a, who had a florid journal to the guy that succeeded. Mark is a capital R romantic, but he really did, uh, 
he did capture the romance in a big a big airship going through the midnight sun. As one of the two members of the legislature of Omnibus, the junior I, member, I, I believe that I speak for Mark when I say huzzah. I guess you're the senior member from the state of Washington. That's right. Because you're older than me. That's right. I'm the still se- I'm still the junior omnibus legislator. Uh, you, you you came from a different generation of of uh, of Washingtonians. You know, I'm the kind of the you're, old school. You're, you're a Dixie Lee Ray yeah, uh, right. uh, omnicrat. We also, um, what did I not do? Uh, Dixie Lee Ray, by the way, is a uh, former governor of the state of Washington and is no reference to Dixie. No, we have d- decided to drop the name of the show, which yeah. was Dixie Omnibus for many years. <laughs> why was the, the great show- old Confederate Omnibus. Why was this show called Antebellum Dixie Omnibus colon We Love the Confederacy? We, we decided to strip it down. We, we were on our way to Georgia and we got, con- we got all swept up it's in the true. romanticism. The, sh- the show was born in Georgia. Uh, yeah, so if you're listening to this after 2020, you will think the show is always called Omnibus. You won't be one of the original fans that used to love Dixie Antebellum Omnibus. Old Antebellum Lost Cause Omnibus. Or, or, or DAO, for short. <laughs> uh, if you would like to contribute to the show now that we've lost our Confederate trappings, if you want to show your support for our newly woke title, mm-hmm. you can do that on our Patreon, patreon.com slash omnibus we've taken down all of the uh, all of the confederate statuary (laughs) this room room used to have so many confederate statues (laughs) and you've just relabeled them you're you're pretending that's zz top over there now well what was great was every time we came in we got to we got to like burn atlanta anew we just had to (laughs) cross through a little scale model of atlanta and burn it down we burned atlanta uh last summer when we left our friends at stuff media ouch ouch sorry atlanta sizzle and uh, so, yeah, pl- please, uh, please donate generously if you'd like to support the show. Um, what did I not do? The money. Oh, there's the Facebook future links. Right. Congregate. The, and Reddit. The too. fan page. And there's a similar subreddit. There might even be a Discord. I'm sure there is. I don't even know what that is. You can probably get on a Microsoft Teams meeting with us. That's right. Pretty soon. That's right. Just Zoom call with other future links. Just Zoom, 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 Zoom. Zoom, 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 Zoom. Futurelings, from our vantage point in your distant past, at a time when Article the First has not been ratified, you must look back and think, how ridiculous that they ever had a legislature with fewer than 6,500 people. How did they get by without Article the First? Yeah. What a bunch of dummies. It took, it took a future college student by the name of Dylan Jennings <laughs> to finally push that amendment all the way Dylan through. Dylan is not a grade grubber. He'll just be like, oh, yeah, I, I guess I have a C. It's because I didn't turn anything in, Mom. That's that's the extent to which he will go. He looks up from his phone long enough to say that. I think if Article the First ever actually passes, it should not be the 28th Amendment or whatever. Oh. It should be, we should stipulate it should be the Zeroth Amendment. The Zeroth Amendment. In, in computer science and other engineering, engineering fields, things are often indexed from zero, not one. Why not Interesting. the Constitution? It opens up an art, the potential for an Article Zero of the Constitution. I would like it to insert itself as the first article, just so the Second Amendment people have to change their name to the Third Amendment Everything people. Everything has to move up. And then there, and that's just going to be confusing. But It'll, then you've got to change the cover of uh, whatever that Jane's Addiction record is, Ritual de lo Habitual. Yeah. It'll, I, be, it'll be this new Second Amendment. I like now. the original cover of Ritual de lo Habitual. You don't say it Ritual? I don't. I say Ritual. Ritual <laughs> of the Habitual. <laughs> really big shoe. Really big. Uh, we hope and pray that all of these catastrophes that we fear may never come 
um, we, at least in, in my case, hope and pray that the U.S. Constitution survives unamended by these scurrilous amendments. Uh, but I would like to see the ERA passed. I think it's going to happen. I'm not. How do you feel about D.C. statehood? I'm pro D.C. statehood, but only as a, like a, a nakedly partisan maneuver. I, I don't care if those people can vote or not. How do you feel about Puerto Rican statehood? Also the same. How do you feel about Jefferson statehood? Kind of against it, because oh. it turns out I just don't want to have like a, a quasi-white supremacist state. Right. That's my problem. The thing is, with D.C. statehood, we get 51 states, which is which is divisible by 17. Not a prime. You can have three rows of 17. Um, 52, of course, is not a prime, but 53. Jefferson's the problem. 53 would, is the next prime. 53 would make it a prime number of states. And but that's, I, that very much appeals to me. That's not a pro, It's not a problem as far as drawing the... Uh, the field of stars. No. You know, our current our current field of stars is not a mul- an even multiple. It's not five by ten. No. It's it's like what? Eight, seven, eight, seven, eight, seven, eight or something? Right, right. Seven, it's six, a, seven, six. It's got seven, a very six. appealing kind of uh, little, little, like, uh, shift of, it's, it's like one of those kind of um, eye teaser posters from the late 80s. People are going to get mad. Yeah, it's a it's a magic eye poster. Magic eye poster. It's, That's what I was looking it's for. It's six five six five six five six five six six. Eleven times five plus a plus eleven times four plus a six. Isn't that beautiful? Do you remember? I don't know if this how high this got, but it was. I don't know if this was just a stupid op-ed idea or if this was ever actually considered by either House of Congress. But do you remember the um, the compromise that would give D.C. a voting representative in Congress? While at the same time, because in our time, that's guaranteed to be uh, a, a staunchly Democratic seat forever. Um, the compromise would be that Mormon missionaries serving overseas would get a seat. Like Utah would get an additional congressional seat representing the uh, thousands of Utah kids really? currently overseas. So you'd, the idea is you could get it through Congress if there was a, if you threw a bone to an additional an additional perma Republican seat too. And the way to do that would be Mormon missionaries. If you look at a 51 star flag, it looks terrible. It is an ugly flag. Well, they haven't pre-designed it. We're yeah, not, we're not sure. Are you kidding me? You we're not think, lo- it's not by statute though. You like don't James think somebody, Madison didn't draw this in 1789. Well, no, but you don't think somebody out there has put every number of possible stars on an American flag? The, the 51 suggestion I saw was circular. Have you seen it? Uh, I didn't see a circular one. No, I just saw what was attempting a grid. But let yeah, me tell you. Yeah, what's going on here? Nine eight nine eight nine eight. Yeah, yeah, that's that's how you got to do it. That's ugly. But a fifty-three so star flag is gorgeous. I'm looking at it now. That's an eight seven. Wait a minute. Oh, eight nice. seven eight seven eight seven eight. I saw a fifty-one star flag. That kind of had a, f- a fireworks boom thing going off, oh. and it was nice. There's a 51 star oh, flag. It's, here. it's actually the flag from Watchmen. In the, in the uh, in HBO's Watchmen, Vietnam uh, became the 51st U.S. state after a decisive superhuman U.S. victory there. Oh, nice! And uh, and the U.S. flag has a uh, a circle uh-huh. instead of a square with 51 stars. There's on. a 51 star flag here that has a Pac-Man eating two bubbles. 
There's also a 50-star flag that has a Star of David out of stars. Here's my idea. Because mm. D- everybody knows D.C. is not going to be a real state. It's yeah. going to be weirdly tiny. I think it does have more people than Wyoming. But area-wise, it's kind of embarrassing. Does, right. does it have more people than Wyoming? It does, uh, It right? does, but, uh, but I think less area than Delaware. Right. Much less, much less than any other U.S. state. So I think what you should have is the current flag with an asterisk, a white asterisk on the field. Oh, little asterisks. Oh yeah, people people noticed by the way that you say asterisks. Asterisks instead of asterisk. Asterisks. I mean, if you want to say it wrong, I guess it's your as- ast- it's your asterisk. Asterisk. <laughs> Asphodel. Anyway, futurelings, I have no idea what we were talking about. Yeah, what part of the outro were you? Um, well, if the worst comes soon, this recording, like all our recordings, may have been our final word. But if providence allows, we hope to be back with you soon for another entry in the omnibus.